Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of sake. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And I hope everybody had an awesome Halloween. Halloween came and went. Hope you had a lot of fun. Hope you didn't drink too much. Make yourself miserable the next morning. Oh, look at that. Speaking of alcohol, that's our topic today. Boom. <laughs> intro. Nice intro. Seamless. So Japan can be considered a drinker's paradise. And it has been for a long time. All the way back in the third century, a Chinese historian recorded that the people of Yamatai, which is ancient Japan, were unusually fond of drinking. Hmm. And excessive drinking, singing, and dancing was common, even at funerals. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. And these days, that, uh, that tradition has persisted, I would say. Their relationship with alcohol is a bit different from ours in the U.S., though. And that makes a lot of sense if you compare the histories of those two places. So in the U.S., we had, uh, I guess it was kind of the Puritan values that led to an association between alcohol and loose morals. And that kind of idea pushed into prohibition in the early 1900s. And of course, prohibition uh, kind of kick-started a lot of organized crime. Got Al Capone, Lucky Luciano, a bunch of bootleggers, you know, all these guys uh, supplying the people that still want to drink, even though it's illegal. So that kind of explains why the U.S. these days has a lot of really strict laws about who can sell and buy alcohol. You got liquor licensing laws, you got bars have to close at a certain time of night, some places you can't sell alcohol on certain days of the week. Yeah, there's dry counties in some states, but then the next county over has a drive through alcohol store. Yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, that yeah. kind of stuff. But 21 drinking age is tends to be on the high side of, of anywhere around the world, yeah. as far as I know. Well, it even used to be 18 in the U.S. Yeah, not all that long ago. Yeah. Like in our parents' time. Yeah. Anyway, Japan, they didn't have prohibition. They didn't have this complicated history with alcohol, so they don't have any of those laws. Like, their, their culture is very free about drinking. Yeah, alcohol is accepted in Japan. It's an important part of everyday life in Japan. There's social drinking and business drinking. And there's religious rites where sake plays a central role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one of the first uses for sake was in religious ceremonies. Yep. And uh, drinking in public is allowed in Japan. Mm -hmm. So it's not unusual to see people openly drinking at the beach or at hanami, which is the cherry blossom viewing. Mm -hmm. um, it's very common to sit and view the cherry blossoms and crack open a beer and have a good time. Sounds nice. Even drinking on the train apparently is a thing. Hmm. I haven't seen a lot of that, but... Well, usually, I mean, it's kind of considered rude to have an open drink on the train in general, but right. you're not going to get in trouble with the law for... I assume that's maybe train. a little different at like 11 p.m. after you've been drinking for five hours. People might not uh, care as much. Yeah, that may be. Bring their drink with them. Yeah. Japan also has the alcohol vending machines that we mentioned in our vending machines episode. There are less of those now than there used to be, and I think that's mostly because of pressure from the West, you know, imposing our complicated history with alcohol on other countries. And Nomi Hodai, we've talked about that before. You All can, you can drink? Yeah. Awesome. Love yeah. It. Yeah. Not something that anyone would think would probably work in America. No, I don't think so. <laughs> 
Should we dive a little bit deeper into Japan's history with alcohol? Yeah, enlighten us a little bit, Jason. Okay. So you mentioned the Chinese text from the 3rd century talking about Japanese drinking a lot. At that time, they were mostly drinking sake, maybe some fruit spirits. So we've talked a bit before about a couple old texts from the 700s that chronicled a lot of early Japanese history. Believe it or not, both of those talk a bit about alcohol. So there was one called the Nihongi that said that a storm god called Susano rescued a maiden from an eight-headed dragon. You know how he did it? Um, with alcohol? He got each of those eight heads on the dragon drunk by giving him a barrel of sake. <laughs> did each head have its own stomach and everything? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, maybe it just drank eight times faster, and yeah, then maybe. it got drunk real quick, and that was a smart plan. Yeah, smart guy. Uh, the other old book, the Kojiki, talks about a Korean guy who came to Japan around the 4th century. His name was Susukori, and he brought a lot of knowledge about how to distill liquor. So that may have impacted the evolution of alcohol in Japan. Okay. So skipping ahead a millennium or so, beer arrived in Japan in the 1700s with Dutch traders. Before that, people were pretty much drinking sake. That was kind of the, you know, the big thing. People were drinking mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So beer showed up 1700s. It didn't get real popular until the mid-1800s, though. And actually, since then, beer has climbed to become the most popular drink in Japan. And sake has been dropping in popularity. Mm -hmm. Although it's also spread around the rest of the world. And I feel like the rest of the world is uh, getting more interested in sake these days. Yeah, gaining internationally, but falling off inside Japan itself. Mm-hmm. So I guess that super brief history brings us up to today. What's the drinking culture like today in Japan? It seems to revolve a lot around binge drinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny here, like uh, if you go to the doctor and they give you a little questionnaire or something, and it's like, how many drinks do you have a week? Or how many drinks do you have like in one night? And if you drink more than three or four drinks in a night, it's like, you're abusing alcohol. You're an alcohol abuser. Yeah, last time I went to the doctor, I put like three to four a week. And he's like, oh, if you're over three, like you could have uh, be at risk for your liver. I'm like, wow, like three a week is at yeah, risk for your liver? Yeah, like you can't even drink anymore. Wow. Well, in Japan, if you're going out drinking with whoever, whether it's friends or coworkers or whatever, three or four drinks might be on the low end for a lot of people. Yeah. The drinking age in Japan is 20. Right. So drinking generally starts uh, during their university years. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a ton of underage drinking in Japan. Like in the U.S., underage drinking is a joke, right? Nobody takes that age limit seriously, really. <laughs> and yet we do. In some ways, we take it really seriously. Like you'll yeah. get arrested if you sell to a minor. Yeah. You'll get arrested if you're a minor and you drink. And yet at the same time, everybody knows everybody does it. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird that it's illegal, but so socially accepted. Yeah, the cop arresting you, like, gave booze to his younger brother who's under 21. Yeah. And drank himself when he was under 21. And now he's arresting you for it. And Yeah. It's just weird. It is weird. <laughs> 
But in Japan, you know, there's a lot of respect for laws because people know that they are part of a society and we want to do what's best for society, not what's best for the individual, right? So it seems like underage drinking is a bit more frowned upon there than it is in the U.S. And you're not going to see it glorified in the Japanese media like it is in the U.S. media. Yeah, I can't remember any form of Japanese media that seemed to be glorifying underage drinking Mm -hmm. or even really hardly depicting it happening at all. Yeah, yeah. Or if they show some kids drinking something out of cups and getting rowdy, sometimes they'll even point out, like, they'll have a little thing that flashes up on the screen. They are not drinking alcohol, that's juice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, not much underage drinking, but once they get to college, you know, age 20 or so, Maybe you start drinking. And in the U.S., we have just massive frat parties, right? House parties where just tons of people get in there. You got kegs all over the place. Gets pretty crazy. Not going to see that so much in Japan. I mean, not that big parties don't happen in Japan, but I feel like it's not such a big part of, like, college culture as it is here. Yeah, it's more of, like, a group of friends will go out drinking, or a group of students from the same major will go out drinking, mm-hmm. or from the same club will go out drinking. Yeah, kind of smaller gatherings would be more common. Yeah, like uh, 5 to 10, 5 to 15 people, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have something called Ikinomi, which translates to down in one. And it's a game that young people play when they're out drinking. And it basically means down the whole drink in one. And that's part of what helps probably get them drunk so fast. Mm -hmm. Someone pours you a drink and, Ikinomi, down in one. Oh, now you got to drink it all real fast. No, now your cup's empty, so someone's going to refill it again. Yeah. And it, uh, it leads to heavy drinking. Sounds like a good time. But these drinking parties are in a way considered training for once you actually have a job. Yeah. So the, the, the college drinking parties are, are something called konpa. This is just a drinking gathering of university students, usually at an izakaya, which is like a Japanese pub. Sometimes they'll even have private rooms where you can get, you know, your little group of people together to drink. And these konpa can be held for all sorts of events. Like at the beginning of the year, when you're welcoming freshmen to the school, maybe you'll, you'll have a konpa for them, get the freshmen drunk, you know? Yeah. There are a lot of clubs. Clubs are a really big thing in Japan. If you want to recruit people into your club, you might have a konpa for that. At the end of the year, you might have a konpa to send off the graduating seniors. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And like you said, all this is almost like training for something called nomikai, which is the same sort of thing, but for coworkers. If you're working for a Japanese business, you're probably going to be going out drinking with your coworkers after work. And your boss. Yeah, your boss is going to be there. That's a big difference from uh, in the U.S. I feel like a lot of people in the U.S. like to go get drinks with their coworkers after work, but usually the boss isn't there, and they don't want the boss there because that would make things kind of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk crap about your boss if he's sitting right there. Yeah, but in Japan, it's such a formal society and so polite that the drinking is used as a way to open up and finally let everything out. But it's okay because everybody's drunk and it gets written off. And as long as you show up to work the next day, no matter how hungover you are, all is forgotten, all is forgiven. Yeah, there's not a lot of chance like during the work day to really get to know your coworkers. But getting to know your coworkers is really important to be able to function well as a team, right? So these drinking parties, 
I mean, it's a team building exercise, you yeah, could call it. Yeah, to ensure good working practice. Yeah. Yeah, and you can um, say those things that you might not be able to say during the day. Yeah, I can break down some barriers, let you get it all out, mm-hmm. let you laugh together without the formality of a typical work day. Yeah. And these are not required outings, wink, wink, Yeah, but you kind of have to go. Yeah, you're, you're going to be expected to, and it could actually hurt your career if you don't Go, yeah. If you like never go to these kinds of things. If you want a promotion, but you don't go out to the drinking parties, oh, well, he's not a team player. He probably, you're probably just not going to get promoted. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have as good a time at work. You're going to be heavily pressured to come. Yeah. So recently there's been some pushback against this. I feel like Japan's gotten a bit of a reputation for its really intense work culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there have been a lot of, attempts to kind of reform that but it seems like old traditions die hard in japan everywhere yeah so yeah it's it's starting to maybe shift culturally but it's still a big thing yeah it definitely hasn't gone away yet yeah but i've also heard that a lot of japanese people are just really not into it like maybe the boss is really into it or whoever organized it is like oh we're gonna have this great party and other people are just like oh man i just want to go spend time with my family you know but i feel like i have to go to this thing Right, you're already working 10-hour days, and now you got to go party after work. You're not going to see your family at all today. Yeah. I actually have an interesting little anecdote I came across about this. Okay. Okay, so there's this guy, a salary man. What's a salary man? Typical Japanese office worker. Yeah. So a salary man went to his doctor. He had kind of some back pain, something around the midsection, causing him pain, right? The doctor told him that it was his liver that was the cause of his pain. So they do some tests, uh, and as the guy is waiting for his test results, he goes to his boss at work, and he tells the boss what the doctor told him, you know, said, oh, my liver might not be so great. Maybe I should lay off on drinking for a while. So the boss says, yeah, yeah, that's good. You should take it easy. Don't, you don't have to go to our nomikai, the drinking parties. So the salary man stays home after work, hangs out with his family instead of going out drinking and he says that it was the best few weeks of his life like he he just had so much time to spend with his family just loving life but then when the tests came back and the doctor is like okay you're fine for now like your liver's not totally shot but you can't keep drinking the way you have been or bad things are going to happen you know so the salary man goes back to his boss and he tells him what the doctor said and what the boss gets from that is oh your liver's totally fine that's great news. You have a clean bill of health. Let's go out drinking, and you can take a shot for every nomikai you missed while you were gone. Wow. You believe that? He's going to be right back at the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. I guess that kind of says an anecdote like people tell. No, that was a true story. That was a true story. Yeah. Wow. I guess that kind of sums up the uh, attitude of some of those bosses. Yeah. I don't get how you come to that conclusion like oh he's he's not going to die immediately because of his liver yeah, let's here, take, take him out drinking take a bunch of shots yeah <laughs> wow so let's talk about drinking etiquette because etiquette is important in Japan yeah and just cuz you're drinking doesn't mean etiquette goes out the window becomes maybe even more important perhaps at least for the first few drinks yeah <laughs> Until you get drunker, then you have an excuse. Yeah, things might get a little looser later in the night. 
So it's common for the whole group that you're drinking with to get the same drink for the first round. Yes. And um, I think part of the reason for this is that you are not supposed to drink until everyone's been served. Also, it ties into the community aspect of it. Like we're all drinking the same thing, brings us together as a group, kind of a bonding sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Makes it easier. Just bring us 10 beers and we'll all drink together. Mm -hmm. And um, generally in Japan, you're going to be drinking from small glasses. Yeah. You're not going to, you might get the beer in bottles, but you're not going to be drinking out of those bottles because of that communal aspect. Yeah. The bottles or even the cans sometimes are poured into the small cups Mm -hmm. and the bottle, it goes into the sharing thing. It'll be a bigger bottle of beer, maybe, but you'll be splitting it between different people. Right. Um, so it'd be kind of gross if you were all drinking out of the bottle. Um, and also, never pour your own drink. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you should fill other people's glasses, but not your own. And if you try to pour somebody else a drink, they might refuse at first, but they might just be being polite, you know? Unless they're super uh, vehement about refusing that drink, you should fill up their glass anyway. Yep. And they will probably reciprocate. Yeah, someone will fill your your glass for you. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry, it will. your glass will get f- filled. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also the social hierarchy aspect. So you're going to fill your superior's glass, you know. Probably the boss's glass is going to be the first one to get filled, right? Yep, yep. Or uh, if you're in university, the older students will get their glasses filled first mm-hmm. by the younger students. Mm-hmm. Also, men will generally get their glasses filled before women. And uh, older people before younger people. Mm -hmm. If you're out with your family, you would probably fill your parents' glasses if you were of age. Sure. And while this is happening, you're not going to want to pick up that drink and start drinking until everybody has some. Did you say that already? Yeah. Okay. And then you are safe to drink. It's begun. Yep. And what do you say when everybody raises their glass once everybody has a drink? Kanpai! Kanpai! You might see some people say chin-chin, apparently. You know what chin-chin means? Nah, something not good. Yeah, it's just a slang word for penis. <laughs> not sure why you would yell that out when you're, uh, when you're toasting. I'd stick with kanpai, yeah. which is pretty much a cheers in Japanese. Yeah, don't use chin-chin unless you're around people that you're very comfortable and familiar <laughs> with. Yeah, so with the way the drinks are poured and everything... By the end of the night of drinking, at one point, everyone has probably poured everyone else a drink. And that's kind of a deeply important ceremony in mm-hmm. Japan. Is that like we're that. all sharing, we're all looking out for each other. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy the Japanese style of drinking. Mm-hmm. But it definitely encourages a lot of drinking. Yeah. Because someone will keep filling your glass and then you feel obligated to drink it because yeah. they went out of the way to fill it for you. So you have to be polite and drink it, but then your glass is empty again <laughs> and someone's probably going to fill it again. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're stuck in this feedback loop and you want to get out of it and you don't want to keep drinking, best thing to do is just leave your glass full and don't touch it because if you keep drinking, they're going to keep refilling it. Yeah, but you can't do that right away. Yeah. It'll be rude, you know. You got to probably drink a few or eventually drink it or something like that, but slow down yeah. or pretend to be really drunk so that maybe they take mercy on you and 
stop filling your glass so quickly. Yeah, maybe just fake that you're starting to fall asleep in your chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just lean over onto the person next to you. Yep. Also, it's not so easy to get out of these things because you always said you're kind of expected to go. It's kind of considered rude to turn down an invitation to go out drinking with the group that you're involved in. So depending on who they are and what the situation is, maybe you can. But if you're like new to a club and they invite you out drinking and you're like, nah, I don't want to go, that might not get you in the best uh, place in everyone's eyes. Yeah. You could go and just not drink alcohol, though. I did see that it's common for people to go and just order soda water or whatever. The community part, the team building part is more important than the actual yeah. imbibing You can go alcohol. and fill everyone else's drinks up. And yeah. Do your own thing. Yep. And then at the end of the night when the check is brought, it's a single check. And your group is responsible for splitting everything up themselves. So people might throw money in then, or maybe one person pays it. And then the next day they go around gathering money from everybody else at work or something like that. Another part of the Japanese drinking culture is drinking games. You see those in the U.S., but Japan has some, uh, some special Japanese ones, you know? What, uh, what kind of drinking games did you see? Well, there's something called Takenoko Takenoko Nyoki Ki. Now, what is that? Well, a Takenoko is a bamboo shoot, right? Like okay. the little ones just, just popping up out of the ground, right? Okay. And Nyoki is the sound that a bamboo shoot makes as it's growing. Oh, there's That's a sound it. for that. <laughs> of course. Japan has onomatopoeia for everything. And yeah, apparently bamboo makes a sound when it's growing. It goes, gnocchi, 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 <laughs> as it pushes up into the air. Okay. Cool, right? All right. Okay, so this game, you got a group of people, and you're going to start counting, starting at one, and then you say gnocchi after your number. So the first person would say, ichi gnocchi. And then you got to, when you say that, you got to put your hands over your head like a little bamboo shoot. Okay. Like you're sprouting up into the sky. And then somebody else has to say, ni gnocchi. Ni gnocchi. Yeah. Ni is two. So we got ichi gnocchi. I'm doing the hands thing. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so ichi gnocchi, ni gnocchi, san gnocchi. But the thing is, you don't go in a particular order. Somebody just has to say the next number and do that. But if two people say it at the same time, they both drink. Oh. Yeah. And if the numbers go all the way through everybody and you're the last person that hasn't said a number, you drink. Okay, so you got to get in there. But you don't want to say it at the same time as somebody else. And you hope there's not that one person like, I need to get messed up purposely, like <laughs> saying it with everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess you could sabotage the whole group that way if you wanted to. Let's get everyone drinking. Yeah. That sounds fun. We should do that. We should do that next time we're in Japan. Yeah. It's on like the fun one. I'm gonna go to the Izakaya and see see what drinking yeah. games they know. Yeah. You guys know Take Noko Take Nyoko Nyoki Ki. Just Let's walk into it. the Izakaya, sit down with the drink. Yeah. And just be like, each <laughs> Oh man. I wonder if I could get that started. And then just look around, look around at everyone else. Yeah. Okay, that's my goal for my next Japan trip. My goal is to Play that drinking game with a group of businessmen. Yes. Some yes. Izakai or something. <laughs> They'll remember. They'll remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another game that looks fun called Ping Pong Pan. Sounds fun. Yeah. And, you know, all you got to do is somebody starts by saying Pin and they point at somebody when they say it 
And then the person they pointed at has to say pon and point at somebody else. And then that person has to say pon and point at somebody else. And it just gets faster and faster until it's like ping pon pon, ping pon pon. And if somebody messes up, they drink. <laughs> they say the wrong one or whatever. Okay. Okay. Yep. That sounds like one of those drinking games where the more drunk you get, the harder it gets. Yeah. And then you start losing more. Yeah. It can spiral down on you real quick. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, Another one is called Osama Game. Osama is a king. So this is like the king's game. King's game. Yep. So you got a stack of cards. One of them is labeled king and the rest are numbered. Everybody takes a random card and then person that got the king card they give an order and they call out a number and then whoever drew that number has to do whatever the king says almost like a truth or dare sort of thing yeah i've seen this game played not drinking really where uh in uh animes okay (laughs) like high school kids will play it on vacations and stuff huh you know because they get to tell someone what to do or whatever yeah but I could see that being fun as a drinking game. Yeah, I guess now that I think of it, there isn't anything in that game explicitly about drinking. You could just order somebody to drink. Right, like that's yeah. The, only part the orders would just in. have to be about drinking. Yeah, or you could be like, Paul, make out with that lampshade. <laughs> doesn't have to be drinking related. Well, the king said so. <laughs> All right, Paul's back. Had a good time with the lampshade. Should we talk a little bit about the social impact of drinking? Yeah, Japan? moving on from the fun and games. Yeah. What's the impact of all this drinking culture on society? Well, one fortunate thing in Japan is that since so many people live in cities and cities have such great public transportation, drunk driving isn't really a problem in Japan, even though there's a lot of drinking. However, alcoholism does seem to be rising in Japan, which is unusual for a developed country. Most developed countries are trending towards less alcoholism. Yeah. I even saw it proposed that part of the reason there's so much binge drinking is that Japan's so safe. You don't have to drive yourself home. You don't have to worry about getting mugged when you're passed out in the alley. It's just kind of a safer place to become inebriated. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it seems like people don't really have a problem with people drinking until they get violent. And that's, I don't know, it seems like here the angry, violent drunk is kind of common to come across, maybe less so in Japan. It seems like it. I'm sure there's definitely some some nasty stuff going on. Yeah. Part of the whole cultural thing is like, you can get hammered, just don't cause other people problems. Yeah. They'll step over you on the sidewalk. Yeah, I mean. Just don't mess with other people. Maybe that idea of alcohol being like a a tool for community building kind of discourages people from getting violent and belligerent, you know? Right. In all my time in Japan, I saw a lot of drunk people, but I never saw someone getting like too belligerent or violent. Yeah. I drank one night in Korea, in South Korea, and like three guys were trying to fight us within an hour. Hmm. That could just be a random, it just happened to turn out that way. Interesting. But that's how that's how it went. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, alcoholism isn't really that big of a concern in, in Japan, it seems like. You know, drinking is accepted as just a part of the culture. There's not a lot of rehab type stuff there. 
Like very few people, even if people are, you know, realizing that their drinking is getting out of hand or whatever, not that many people are actually in rehab or like really trying to get professional help about it. Yeah, I don't think it's really like considered a disease. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, if you're drinking too much, well, stop drinking as yeah, much. just drink or, a little less. And it's not really considered a problem that someone gets drunk. Yeah. I mean, even businessmen, like you'll see businessmen in full suits passed out on the sidewalk in Japan sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you don't see that much in the U.S. Uh, you'll even see something they call street pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that name because I love pizzas so much. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> What's a street pizza, Jason? It's uh, it's a round thing <laughs> on the ground uh, that came out of a salary man. <laughs> it's it's puke. It's a puddle of puke on the sidewalk, and I've definitely seen these. Yeah, early morning before they've had a chance to wash them away. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a gross name for them. Yeah. <laughs> um. But one thing that's nice for those salarymen is that uh, we always talk about how they can take the train home. The public transportation is excellent. And actually, I saw that JR, Japan Rail, the, yeah. the company that owns a bunch of these train lines, a lot of times they'll give free tickets to people that like passed out drunk on the train and ended up at the very last stop on the line. I saw that, which is kind of nice of them and kind of hilarious too. <laughs> yeah, it is super nice of them. Another thing I wanted to mention is something called Asian Flush or Asian Glow. Have you heard about that, Paul? Yes. Yeah. So many Asian people all over Asia and about 50% of Japanese people, I guess, just their genetics mean that they're deficient in an enzyme that helps metabolize alcohol. So what this can mean is when they start drinking, their face might flush. They turn really red. Uh, They might get nauseous earlier than they would otherwise. Might get dizzy. So that's no fun. That's a bummer. Yeah. But I guess if you can get drunk faster, it might be helpful. It's more more economical. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what people are drinking when they drink in Japan. Okay. We should probably start with sake because that's where it all began. Yeah, it is where it all began. Sake is also called Nihonshu. Which just means Japanese liquor. Yeah, it's funny because both shu and sake are also general terms for just alcoholic drinks. Like, uh, you could talk about drinking anything and call it sake. Sake is just alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, uh, if a Japanese person is ordering sake, would they order Nihonshu? Yeah, I think so. I, think I believe they would that's call it what it's sake. It's known as sake outside of Japan, but mm-hmm. more often referred to as Nihonshu in, inside of Japan. Right. Yeah, so sake specifically, this specific type of drink is commonly called a a rice wine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's cloudy, sometimes it's filtered, so it's super clear and there's no particles at all in there. Generally around 15% alcohol. It can be served hot or cold, depending on the season or the quality. Sometimes lower quality sake is served hot to kind of mask the flavor a bit. And it works. And it tastes tastes really good when it's hot. Yep. So these days, sake is made by fermenting rice with water, yeast, and koji mold, Mm -hmm. which is the same kind of mold that they use to make soy sauce and miso. Very versatile and useful fungus. Mold is a fungus, right? Yeah. It's a very important mold in all of Japanese food and drinks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
But that's not how sake has always been made in Japan. No, no, it's not. <laughs> this, this is my favorite fact of this episode because people went to extreme lengths all over the world back in the day to get drunk. Mm-hmm. So sake was first made, or this type of spirit was first made in China around 500 BC. And the method they used then was that the villagers would get together and they would chew up rice, nuts, a few different kinds of things. They would just chew it up and spit it into an, a communal tub. Paul's giving me a certain face here. I'm just a little nauseous. <laughs> that sounds so gross. Yeah. So the enzymes from the saliva and the yeast from the air and all that stuff mixed together to ferment, and you ended up with this thick alcoholic gunk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suspect that's how alcohol probably started all over the world. Yeah. Just people chewing things up and burying it in pots or whatever. Yeah, I guess. How else would you <laughs> that's, discover yeah. it? And eventually they figured out the mold and the yeast and everything they needed mm-hmm. to make it work. Yeah, so this stuff, I read that it was more solid than liquid. You got to really? chew this stuff to get drunk. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So this became a part of Shinto festivals in early Japan. Shinto is the national religion. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they discovered that koji mold, they abandoned this method of making it for the most part. But Paul, did you ever see the movie Your Name or Kimi no Namai wa? No, I haven't yet. It's a good movie. And in that movie, actually, there's a modern day shrine in Japan where they make sake like that. And a lot of temples and shrines in Japan make sake these days, but you know, usually they use the modern or a more modern method of making it. But the one in this movie, and there, there must be one in real life Japan that that's based on, I'm thinking, not 100% sure, but in the movie, they make that stuff. They don't drink it. They just put it in a cave as like a symbolic offering to the gods. Okay. But it's kind of cool that they kept that tradition alive. Yeah. And actually, for those types of ceremonies where they were making that sake, a lot of places would only allow young virgins to be the ones chewing up the stuff. That's kind of creepy. Doesn't make you any less grossed out by it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe slightly less than the whole village doing it, but... (laughs) Not really helping. Yeah. No. All right. Not if I'm going to eat it. <laughs> this is going to be an offering. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so that Koji method, which is the modern method, that spread around Japan in the 700s, almost entirely putting an end to that old method of chewing stuff up. Yeah, so they've been drinking modern type sake for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Thankfully for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sake is not nearly as popular anymore as beer and whiskey are in Japan, but it's still fairly popular among middle-aged and retired people, mm. uh, partly because it's known to go down easy. Okay, It's smooth, it's not overpowering, and I agree with that. I always thought it was a pleasant drink. I've always enjoyed sake. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, sake's been dropping in popularity since pretty much after World War II when beer and wine started to overtake sake sales. Seems like that's mostly due to influence from the West. There are a lot of things changing in Japan after World War II. Beer becoming super popular is one of those things. Yeah, and I mean, with refrigeration being everywhere now, who can resist a cold beer on like a hot summer day? Mm -hmm. It's, It's just nice. Beer is nice. So let's talk about beer. Yeah. 
So beer is king in Japan right now, king of the alcoholic drinks. Yep, the most popular. It's enjoyed by everybody on a massive scale. Mm -hmm. Three of the biggest brands of beer in Japan are Asahi, Kirin, and Sapporo. And they're all pretty similar. Like most of the stuff that they make is pretty much light lagers. Yeah, I enjoy them all. They're kind of right up my alley. And uh, I recommend personally Sapporo, but you can't go wrong. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. Uh, Recently, craft beer has been showing up a bit more in Japan, too. So if you're into different types of beer, you can find places that have those for sure. Yeah, it's a newer thing, but it's starting to take hold, kind of like it is everywhere. Mm -hmm. What do you Um, want to talk about next? Let's talk about whiskey. Okay. So whiskey's becoming quite popular in Japan as well. And they've been getting real good at making whiskey. They're winning awards all over the place. Yeah, there's a lot of really good Japanese whiskey out there. Um, It's still kind of considered an older man's drink or a gentleman's drink, Mm -hmm. to put it nicely, you know? Sure. But uh, it's quite good. I recommend trying some Japanese whiskey. Yeah, they got the method of making Japanese whiskey from Scotch tradition in Scotland. A similar sort of style of whiskey, though it can't be called Scotch because Scotch has to be made in Scotland. But whiskey is usually drank in the form of highballs. Yeah. Which is whiskey mixed with soda water. Or you might even see just whiskey mixed with water. You know, one time I was at a convenience store and I'm like, I want to drink something different tonight. And I found this can and it said whiskey on there. And I was like, all right, a can of whiskey. That's perfect. (laughs) And I, I bring it back to my hotel and I start drinking it. And I didn't notice the little water kanji on there. It was just whiskey mixed with water. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not how I like to enjoy my whiskey. It's usually with carbonated water, but yeah, sometimes just whiskey and water. Yeah. That's even kind of becoming, I heard, a substitute for beer. Mm. It's like whiskey with like maybe a fruit-flavored carbonated water, and they mix it to be like 8% alcohol or something and sell it in cans, and some people just prefer that to beer. But uh, I like drinking my whiskey straight because I love all the deep flavors in it, but mm-hmm. I get most people don't do that. Sure. So what other, what else are they drinking in Japan? Well, there's something called shochu. Now what's that? Shochu is a distilled drink. So sake isn't distilled, right? It's brewed. Right. Shochu is distilled, so it's going to be a bit stronger than sake. It's made from, it can be made from all sorts of grains and stuff, usually rice, potatoes, barley, those types of things. And it's going to be distilled to about 25% or so, sometimes even more. So it's almost, it tastes almost like a kind of a weaker vodka, you could say. Okay. And it's not flavored. Yeah. Just like vodka. I mean, you could flavor it with other things, but in its original form, it's just. It's just alcohol. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And this is often served mixed with water, fruit juice, sparkling water, or even oolong tea. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of want to try that. I've never had like alcoholic tea. Yeah. I want to try that too now. Uh, so from shochu, there's also another drink called chuhai. Chuhai, what's that? Chuhai. So the word chuhai comes from shochu highball. Oh, chuhai, chuhaiball, shochu highball. So shochu with uh, carbonated water. Yep, shochu with fla- usually flavored carbonated water, and those can be anywhere from like three to eight percent alcohol. Okay. Do you remember in the food episode I talked a bit about strong zero? Yeah. That's a chuhai. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I heard something about plum wine. Mm-hmm. Umeshu. 
Ume is a type of uh, Japanese plum. And umeshu is a sweet plum wine made from those plums and then sugar. And a lot of times they'll add shochu or nihonshu to that huh. too. I've never had that. Is that like a pretty obscure thing or? No, I don't think it's obscure at all. Is it drink fairly widely? I've found Japanese plum wine here in liquor stores. Really? Yeah, you can find it. Oh, next time I see some, I'll have to snag a bottle. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Let's try it's it out. Sweet, fruity. I'm always just so excited for the beers mm-hmm. and the sake that I probably don't even think about anything else on the menu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not big on sweet drinks, fruity drinks, so I kind of steer more towards the beer and whiskey side of things, or yeah. sake. But yeah. Umeshu is there for you, if you're into that. And umeshu is usually served on the rocks, or mixed with soda, or as an umeshu sour. Another thing you can find is wine. Wine is imported to Japan from all over the world, and they also make their own in parts of Japan. Got a little history for you about wine, if that's okay. Yeah, let's hear it. So wine first came to Japan in the mid-1500s with Portuguese Christians. But before too long, uh, when the Tokugawa shogunate took over, they banned Christianity and all things Western. So wine went away for a while. No more wine. But in the Meiji Restoration, at the end of the Tokugawa shogunate's reign, that was when the first vineyards started popping up in Japan. That would have been the mid-1800s. And now wine is all over the place. Yeah, I've definitely seen wine offered and served at many restaurants in Japan. Yep. Well, you can find pretty much uh, any kind of drink you could want in Japan, but those are the main ones. So now that we talked about what we're drinking, where are we drinking? Wherever we want to, baby. (laughs) Yeah, alcohol is available around the clock in Japan, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Bars close whenever they please which has led to something known as hashigozake, which is called ladder drinking. Um, It's basically a pub crawl. As one bar closes, you and your group find another bar that's still open. And when that bar closes, you go and find another bar that's still open. And some people do this all the way to like six, seven in the morning. And they're on like their fifth, sixth bar, the last one on the street that's still open. And uh, that's just kind of a thing. Because there's no hard time that everybody closes at. Yeah. That does sound like a really fun night. It does. But it also sounds like a really terrible next day. It sounds bad, especially if you're doing it on like a Tuesday and you got to get to work in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's totally okay to show up with a hangover to work in Japan. Uh, Yeah, I guess. That's normal and accepted. Yeah. You know, if you, uh, on like a... Saturday or Sunday morning, especially if you check out a train station right when they open around five or six a.m., you might find a crowd of people that are looking a bit haggard because they've been up all night drinking, just waiting for that very first train to start running so they can get home. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, uh, izakayas or bars, the twenty-four hour kombini, the convenience stores sell alcohol and not just beer. They sell hard alcohol, wine, everything. Sake. Yeah. Mixed drinks. You'll find all sorts of like canned mixed drinks, like those, the Chu Hai I was talking about. Yep. Yeah. I'm kind of excited. I I wanted to, so usually when I go to Japan, I'm like up really early and I kind of go to bed earlier, at least go back to the hotel and kind of wind down. Mm -hmm. But this time I want to stay out late a little bit more, drink with some locals 
and maybe just like close out the night by unwinding with like a drink from the Conbini and just go walk to a nice park and like look out at the city lights and enjoy a beer or something, you know? That sounds nice. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. There's also the alcohol vending machines we mentioned earlier that sell beer and sake. Mm-hmm. Those tend to shut down around 11 p.m. The vending machines? Yeah, in an effort to stop minors from drinking. Huh, I didn't know that. Because I, when we talked in the vending machine episode a bit, I read at least some of them. I don't know how many of them, but a lot of those vending machines will have scanners where you have to scan your ID. So it seems like that would prevent minors from buying it for the most part. That would definitely help. Um, I heard there's some too, if it's like in a hotel or something, it might not have restrictions on it the same way Yeah, because it's kind of in a supervised place. Yeah. But if it's just out on the street somewhere, I mean, it could be to prevent them from swiping their parents' ID or something. I, who, I don't know. Sure, sure. Or it could just be the older machines. Maybe. I know there were like some coin-operated sake machines where you just like drop a coin in them and put your cup there and it just shoots a little sake oh. into your cup. So stuff like that might shut down at (laughs) at 11. That's kind of awesome. There's also liquor stores in Japan, supermarkets, Stell Liquor. So it's all over the place. Easy to get your hands on. Yeah, definitely. We've talked before about Nomi Hodai. Even in this episode, right? You mentioned Nomi Hodai at some point. We have talked about that. Yeah, all you can drink. Uh, And the Tachi Nomi, kind of little standing bars where you just stand and drink. Yeah, those sound fun. I haven't been to one of those. Yeah. Yeah, anywhere. Just walk around. You will come across places to get alcohol all the time. Yep. If you take a trip to Japan, you are going to experience alcohol whether you drink it or not. <laughs> it will be around. Drunk people will be around at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really good tasty drinks to enjoy if you're into it. Yeah. Check them out. That's about all I got today. That's all I got to Looks like it's the end of another episode. If you want more, check out our website at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. What are we talking about next time, Paul? We're going to be talking about Japanese castles next time. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, those castles are really cool. Yeah, there are a lot of ingenious techniques that were used in building those to make them like super defensible. Yeah, we're going to look at architecture and history and all sorts of cool stuff. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.